All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 108 of The Rink Shrinks. You ready to go? Let's go. Mots, a lot to catch up on. Obviously, I was away. We had the All-Star game. We got the Super Bowl coming up. Uh, Obviously, high school games, you name it. We've had had a lot of action going on in both households. How's everything going? Doing great. You know, we uh, had a little bit of a cold snap here in the Boston area. It was some of the ponds froze. I saw some kids out, but almost too cold for for some of the uh, the young ones to get out there. So it was uh, soft. Yeah, a little soft. But uh, yeah, a lot of games uh, where I had uh you know defeat against nobles they uh they played well though um tied over the weekend and then had a win uh last night as mm-hmm. uh as we sit here today so they're playing well they got to put a little push on to uh be in the playoff picture but uh playing the game pretty well and you know with compete and um goalies playing great so there's some uh some positive you know things to, to build on in each game which is great so I heard that Ryan may have scored a goal. The referee might have been a little bit out of position, and and you were the guy in the stands giving the hand signal like goal, 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 banging on the glass. Is that true? That's just that came from a, a you know a source. We'll, source. Yeah, yeah, we'll remain anonymous. No, I was I was behind the net. Uh, you know, it was off a face off, kind of like right behind their center, and he got pretty good wood on it. Short side dropped behind the goalie. I did see a little daylight between the uh, goal line <laughs> and the puck, but I, I, I so did if not. There was video re- review as a goal. Yeah, but the goalie did a good job at covering it up and kind of sco- scooting it out. But um, yeah, that's happened to him a few times this year. But uh, playing playing uh, well in all three zones, so kind of overthink that type of stuff. But yeah, the refs aren't were in great position. Not their fault. But I did not do the goal sign. But there was many uh, other fans doing it. <laughs> <laughs> you could have been like, if you were sitting behind the net, just acted as the goal judge too, get yeah. the light going. Yeah, just get the little uh, the fl- the flip of the switch. Yep, that's in. You know, or like maybe um, put my cell phone out there somehow, like get some strobe light going. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. You took in a couple bean pots, I guess, huh? Two. You know, Monday was bean pot time here in in, in Boston and obviously for the men's and then Tuesday night you were so you were able to go to to both right I saw the picture with the ladies game oh yeah so uh Monday night the the men's uh faced off early BC Harvard and uh Jake Tebow and I took that oh that, that's uh, awesome that night in. so yeah he's he's such a great guy and was doing his rehab right in the backside of uh, the garden there at Spalding mm-hmm. rehab and we're able to uh catch up and He's uh, you know, he's just super guy, inspirational guy, and just talking to everyone. And Bob Sweeney came down, and it was just uh, it was a good event. Uh, it's always a great event, but the games themselves, uh, BC came up short in overtime. The last like five minutes of that game was like electric, wild. Yeah, yeah, I was able to catch that. You know, just you know, you get in everyone's you know best effort and execution. Harvard has some high end players, and it was uh, it was really good stretches of hockey in that game. And the building starts building up and, you know, the energy in the building, um, you know, kind of like towards the end of that first game. Beginning yeah, of the, the, the work crowd starts to roll in. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, Northeastern uh, took down BU in the second game. So Harvard Northeastern first time in 70 years in this uh, in this tournament, which is crazy. That is yeah. incredible. It's yeah. incredible. But We'll be there to, to take it in on Monday night, which will be fun. I can't wait to watch uh, some good hockey games over there. 
you know, it'd be great. And then followed it up on Tuesday night. So the women's side of the the bean pot, they uh, change locations each year of uh, each campus. And this year it's at BC and um, Brooks U12 team had practice, but I was like, why don't we take them in and, you know, let them, uh, you know, grab a bite. And cause it's, it's kind of nice. They can just run around and wearing their hockey jerseys and, and just seeing some, uh, some good hockey that they would love to, uh, you know, aspire to play in someday yeah yeah so it was it was really great and ryan and his team um so brady erickson is Mm -hmm. his sister plays uh at bc so they all went in with their sunrise uh high-vis gear (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome 19 of them behind the uh opposing goaltender and next to the the band chirping the band and (laughs) it was pretty great oh that's awesome that's awesome and they and, and bc won so what's that final uh, so BC Northeastern, Northeastern had the early game that day, and uh, you know they're they're top in the nation, and they have some really good players. So BC has to come with their A game, but um, well, they yeah, need the they need the high visibility crew to come back and support. Exactly, yeah. So we're thinking about making it back in uh, Tuesday night. Uh, the girls enjoyed themselves, so we got to uh, we got to see what what comes of that. But we uh, we wish the Eagles the best. You know? No, of course you do. Of course you do. Uh, no, that's great. Obviously, a lot on my end. I wanted to thank the guys down at Franklin Sport. They hooked Franklin Sports. They hooked me up with a couple extra uh, tickets to the skills competition on Friday night. I was down in Florida for a tournament, and Franklin is the official street hockey partner of the National Hockey League. Check out their line of official NHL street hockey games and training equipment at franklinsports.com today. Uh, like I said, I hooked up. With C Rod down there, Chris Rod A, and and you know former teammate of Ryan that works with Franklin, and he uh, he took care of me with a couple seats to the uh, to skills competition on Friday night. That's great. That's a great event. You know, it shows off the skill level and kind of a, the loose atmosphere that you know it's pretty cool to see. You know, there's guys that are trying to rip each other's heads off, and then their teammates, and you know, just you know putting that aside for the weekend. But to see the high level of skill. I still wish they would go back to like really trying to score goals on the breakaway challenge. Um, so there's a couple things like in it, I, dude, I went down a rabbit hole the other day, like, cause I, I was at the skills and I'm like, there's something just seems off, right? Like yeah. um, you're sitting there and we were down low. It was like, you know, great seats and a couple like really cool events, but then like a couple of those trick shot challenges and stuff, like very sil- silly and goofy and just kind of made for like, a TikTok video or something. I, yeah. I just wasn't a fan. Like when Pashanak came in on the ice, we got there a little bit late. Um, and the stretch limo, limo that we got, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so the, I'm like, is this just like a, a spoof? Like I had no idea what was going on. It was like very confusing. He just comes out like he's happy Gilmore. And, and it was, it was like the oddest thing. And I'm like, this is not for, it wasn't even showing off skill. It wasn't, yeah. it was, it was so like goofy that aspect of it. And then I started watching old highlights of like the 96 all-star game with Ray Bork, like in Boston when he went four for four with the targets and it was unbelievable. But then some of the older uh, highlight videos where it was like, you know, and God, the goal, the, the, the goalie lineup and then never mind the player, the players you're, you're looking at, like from our era, just everybody's a hall of famer from Federoff, Eisenman, Shanahan, I mean, you name them, they were they were in it. But it's it was like the old, almost like ten puck relay race yeah. where they you, like you know how you do that at the end of practice, and it was just like Bing, Bing, Bing. Like the other team, the other guy couldn't go until 
That guy crossed the blue line. It was so much energy and and guys moving and going. Like you looked, even the guys on the bench, like like you just said, they were soaking it in and having a great time. But there was not that like competitiveness of like it, it just where it was like a game atmosphere. You know what I mean? So you couldn't even see like you can see personality, but you don't see like the competitive nature and like them dial it really in. Yeah, I agree. Even rewinding it back a little bit further, it was like Mario Lemieux. Oh These yeah, in the skills competition, I remember like trying to do some of the moves that he did, but he's coming in. I think it was like a three puck challenge on breakaways. Yeah, and then someone else would go three, um, but he scored some amazing goals. It was like the Forsberg back then. You know, mm-hmm. he he did that. He did fake shot five hole, and then I tried to implement it in my street hockey games. You know, just yeah. right away, and then, but you you know these guys are so good, and you see them in the games, but. I wish they could bring a little bit of that back, you know, so hundred percent you know, for the real hockey fans, the real hockey players that are watching. It's not just all about the razzle dazzle, like show, you know, kind of uh bull crap that you, you no. witnessed. <laughs> yeah, no. And I went down that hole. Like, like you said, it was like Lemieux, Gretzky, Shanahan. I mean, you it was like Brett Hull, just hall of famer after hall of famer. And that's, I mean, these guys that are, that are playing today, I mean, you're lucky, like, you know, I'm watching Connor McDavid do the fastest, uh, you know, the, the, the shooting competition stuff like that, like right in front of me, which is amazing. Right. It's like incredible to watch, but there's some of those moves and things like things like that. And it, it almost made it like game situational because it was timed and those guys race and like, go back and watch some of those clips. It's it, it, like you said, it was really, really cool. Um, so they have to find a way to make it a better product. It almost felt like they're doing it for like clips and not the actual consumer that's in the building. You know what I mean? Like you pay all this money to go to the event and it's, it it was almost like it was meant to be for Instagram posts or, or, you know, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hopefully when they, uh, they're going to have to sort it out for Toronto next year. Right. I agree. No, yeah, but I'm glad you had a good time. But any uh, anything happen in your travel? So yeah, let me uh, let me yeah, I, I'll go to that. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to get your take on it. Like, what where are you at in terms of travel? Um, you know, getting on a plane. I guess travel etiquette. I would call it. Like, I hate two things. Right. When you get to a, a, a gate and you're in like zone twelve. And everybody that's in zone 12 is already standing at that gate. And it's like, dude, you you got 12 zones to go. Like, just back up. You know what I mean? Like, what's the rush to get on? But then the other thing that drives me nuts, so I want your take on that. And the other thing is the whole, like, I'm a light traveler in terms of, like, I just pack a suitcase. Obviously, I'm going away. I got, you know, you got bathing suits. You got different things like that. Pack a suitcase. Check the bag. And everything goes down below, maybe a little carry on a backpack. You know, you get your headphones, your computer, your iPad, whatever you you may need. But the people that got like wheelie suitcases that basically are suitcases and they're trying to like one up you. And then they're trying to check it like they're in row 12 and, and, and there's no overhead compartments available. So they're bringing it back to like row 32. And then that delays the process getting off the plane. It just drives me nuts. Are you like are you a travel wheelie bag guy? Like throwing it in the overhead compartment? Like I think there should be a rule. If you got a wheelie thing, it's got to be tiny. Like it should be able to fit under the seat in front of you. 
or yeah. like throw a backpack on or a little duffel bag and it should be able to fit in the seat right where you, you know underneath the seat in front of you it, the whole suitcase thing where it's like checking it at the gate if it doesn't fit it just causes so much delays it drives me nuts yeah so going back to the standing and, and waiting and like just kind of hovering uh yeah that's pretty annoying i'm usually like the last guy on yeah um, me too and you know whether you're having a beer down you know the hall and trying to listen for the gate you know final call or yeah. you're sitting there and you're just you know relaxing to let the herd go but then you know then sometimes you're like oh, all right you know they just want to get that you know ticketing process done so then you just wait in the in the jetway there you know mm. on the in the uh on the, going to the tamarack but uh um, fell off the jetway again <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah that's that's pretty you know annoying you know when you have the different areas just kind of like you know, just hovering and 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 just being in the way, and like because you feel like you're kind of missing out if you aren't like just in line. But I don't care. I, I'm always like one of the last guys on. And, and no, the last time I flew, like obviously with kids, it's a little bit different. But the last time we flew 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 back from Charleston this summer, like they were calling our names at the over the loudspeaker. We're like, oh, then it was like a full on sprint. Yeah, yeah. And then as far as the. Uh, you know the luggage situation there is you know that there are enough if it fits like if they do have like that kind of like a measuring area if it fits in that it should be able to be fine to go overhead or even underneath but i know what you're saying there's like some ones that are bulky or overpacked and they're jamming them in there and they take up you know a quarter of the overhead between the uh you know the seats but you know it doesn't really bother me you know it's on them you know, because like it my, just bothers me when you're like you're getting up, right? Yeah. So like, so say I'm in I'm in row twenty, the guys in in row sixteen should be exiting to the right and heading off the plane, but they got to come back and now yeah. get a suitcase that's above my head. You know what I mean? It it delays the the exit process. Well, w- one of my pet peeves is when you know you're exiting your row and the people are standing behind you. Mm. and they go oh you know so like that was like i don't know bus etiquette 101 back in elementary school you know how you file off a bus yeah and i I just it really bothers me because i'm like you know what's what's your hurry honestly that's like where are you going we're all going to be waiting at the baggage claim yeah so and then when people stand up right when you know the uh airplane stops it's like you know stand up if you're not ready type thing yeah. And then and then if like you're the exit row, so so you're the row on the right and everybody in your aisle gets up and is ready to leave, but then you get the one guy that's on the same same row as you, but he tries to dot out. And it's like, dude, clearly we're a family here. You know what I mean? Like you got a cut between my ten year old and and you know, or, or like some other dude's seven year old kid, like what, and walk behind his kid? Like, come on, man. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah. And then the, the other thing that uh, that came up in conversation, we were down there. So on Thursday night, uh, we had a nice dinner with at, at Keith and Kristen's house, and they hosted the Hayes family down, which was really cool. Um, Kevin Hayes' parents came by, and then his nephew, Bo, Jimmy's son, uh, was there at the house, and he had a blast with with my two boys that were there and, and uh, with Colin and Liam and then Miller and Lola, my uh, nieces. So they had a lot of fun with them, but – Big Kevin came and he's like, yeah, yeah, Sheila. He's like, we get off the plane. I get a cab all ready to go. And he's like, no, Kevin, like, 
I have an Uber coming. He's like, no, we, we can get in a cab. Like, because he's just such like an old school, like right. cash guy. You know what I mean? He's like, no, we're going to, she's like, Kevin, I have an Uber XL or whatever the heck it is coming to pick us up. Like, <laughs> and she's like, do you not see the cab stand? There's a line there. He's like, there's no line there. <laughs> he's, like, cut that line. he's like, we can cut that line. I'm like, Oh my God. I was so, I was dying laughing, but it was, yeah, it was a good time with, uh, to, to be able to hang with them and then see their whole family, uh, at, at the skills. And we didn't make it to the game, uh, because Colin was in the tournament down there, the exposure cup, which is great, great competition. But Liam was able to take that in with Keith and um, Keith and his family. And Keith was doing an, an interview on the NHL Network. I don't know if you caught it, but he uh, he brought the kids up and they sat there with uh, with Jackie Redman, um, Mike, 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 Mike Johnson, Mike Johnson, and and Rupper and uh, Keith. So they brought him on. They gave the old Boston Homer like, "Who's the MVP?" And uh, they all were like, "Kevin Hayes, Kevin Hayes." And I th- actually I think. <laughs> Uh, Mila threw out Matthew Kachuk because uh, they're obviously become friendly with the Kachuks That's and great. Matthew living down there. So it was pretty cool that that he ended up winning. But yeah, Liam was all you know he was on cloud nine because he had the uh, you know the All Star game. He was he was at the game and then obviously getting on the NHL network. It was hilarious. He had the ring shrinks hat on backwards too, dude. I'm like that would have been great. I'm like turn your hat around. I'm like that would have been great uh, exposure for the shrinks. Come on, man. A little advertising. You know? Yeah, come on. I'm like, Keith, you couldn't have told him to turn the hat around? <laughs> He's like, well, I didn't think of it. So, no, it was it was funny. But good competition down there. We played uh, – we went into the tournament a little bit shorthanded, just to recap that quick. Uh, a couple guys couldn't make it. We had, a, a you know, another guy with, uh, with an injury. So, that was – you know, we were a little bit behind the eight ball. And then we had another guy, you know, one of our t- – you know, a few of our top players get, get injured. One guy got hurt right down there. The first shift of the tournament got a concussion. So, that put him out. So, we were a little bit behind the eight ball, like I said. But great competition. All, you know, top 20 ranked teams throughout the country. Um, really, really good games. Competed, competed. You know, saw a lot of – Hockey guys down there saw a lot of, uh, you know, ran into Nico Dimitrakos. There's a, there's a, yeah, ran into Nico, ran into uh, a boy, Trevor Daly. We coached against him in the first game and had a really good game with them. One goal game. We actually deserved better fate in that one, but just couldn't pull it out. And, uh, and then, you know, so it was, and then tons and tons of just different hockey guys walking around. So really, really good competition. I'm actually heading down to Tampa in another week or so for, for tournament number two. So, where uh, I'm getting to spend some time in Florida, which is, I guess, better than here, and especially when you time it when it's negative to 20 degrees in this area. Yeah, you get your base now. Now you can just go top off to the rink. You know? I thought you meant with the booze. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Definitely yeah, got that, too. Both. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly. Great. No, it was funny. It was funny. But, yeah, good uh, – Good tournament, good stuff. Obviously, it was great, uh, great to see a lot of those guys. Oh, and I got lined up another guest for the show, which this guy's going to be a treat. Ray Whitney. Did you ever play against him? The Wizard. Yeah, I the played wi- against him. The Wizard. We uh, we ended up having dinner with him on Saturday night after the All Star game and my games, and uh, great time with him. Unbelievable storyteller. Like great, great stories. I mean small guy and you know over a thousand points i think like 1400 games stanley cup winner just a, a great guy so i talked to him we're gonna have to have him on in the upcoming future and he's got a son that's playing out in the junior coyotes program he's looking to go to the alberta league next year he's, he's his son's like six foot five mm. so talk about like looking at those stats and those like kind of late bloomers 
Um, you know, he's and he's coached. He coached those guys all the way through as soon as he got done playing, and they have a really good thing going on in that in that Phoenix area. He broke down a bunch of the different coaches, obviously Shane Doan and Taylor Pyatt, a bunch of different guys. So we'll uh, we'll have him on soon and in, in chat. He'll be a great interview. That's great. Did you bring your Sparks machine down? You know what? I did, and I mean, I guess I'm guilty of this too because where was the place that I put it? <laughs> Above. Above in the <laughs> overhead compartment, well, you know, you so, want that, that thing bouncing around though. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't throw that thing down below like it was some, you know. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's unbelievable. You're, you're ripping these people with the wheelie bags, and you're taking. A, would you? Did you do it sideways, or did it fit kind of like vertically, like going in? Well, I. That's why I was at the front of the. You know, I was zone <laughs> one. I was making sure I could get it laterally, so it wasn't yeah. sticking out, and I wasn't that guy holding up the plane. Oh. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, I can't travel without the Spocks. We had, you know, five, six games in, in a couple of days. I, the kids need the skates buzzed up. Oh, that's great, though. But yeah, yeah. I, I love, uh, you know, kind of the irony of you, you know. Yeah, do as I say, not as I do, but definitely do this. Head on over <laughs> to SpocksHockey.com. Use the code BYMOTS for $50 off your Spock Sharpener. Uh, Spocks is the at-home skate sharpening machine that will never fail. Or you take it on the road like I did, throw it in the overhead compartment. Uh, Spox is the shift that keeps on giving for hockey players and parents. It's convenient, super easy to use, and will save you a lot of money in the long run. With Spox, you get an accurate sharpening every single time. Again, head to SparksHockey.com and order your machine today. And don't forget that BY Mots $50 off coupon code. Yeah, it is the gift that keeps on giving. You know, we use it all the time. Ryan's always buzzing his skates up. And again, my daughter Brooke uh, took a couple teammates. Wheels back downstairs and uh, buzzed them up. So make sure you go over to sparkshockey.com and uh, order your machine today. Yeah, Mott's a couple things before we get to our interview. So this question was posed to me by a, a young listener. So high school uh, captaincy voting, should the coaches have the final say? Is it a popularity contest or the three best kids on the team? What if the, um, what if the three best players on the team are quiet guys? What do you think? This is more of a mailbag question, but I wanted to get to it quick. Yeah, no, we're, think- we're, we're in kind of that high school, you know, sweet spot right now where things are wrapping up and, you know, you might be voting for next season's captains. No, I think it's a great question from, a, you know, an actual player. So um, I would say, you know, I think the, the coaches should have the final say, should be voted on, but I also don't think that it's always the best player. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, leadership qualities, and those can come in different you know, forms, you know, the, the hardest worker, you know, the most vocal, but the most vocal has to be doing the right things as well. You know, then it can be the best player because he's, he's really helping the team in different areas, but you know, you put all that together and then, you know, you, you have a vote, see what the team is thinking. And then the coaches can kind of make the decisions from there. But I do feel that there should be, you know, a couple different criteria to that. You know, the coaches just don't pick them, uh, at times, some sometimes it might be appropriate, but I just feel that there is some some players just because you're a senior and just because you're, you know, you know maybe scoring some points, you might you might be a terrible leader, you right. know. And it's it's not easy to say, hey, listen, you know, we're going to go with the junior captain instead of you, know, you or whatever. But you, you don't have to say anything. It, it sends a message on you know how you feel about his leadership quality. So. Um, yeah, so I, I think it could be like a, a combination of things, but I think the coach should have the final say. 
I think the only, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the only thing I'd add is, you know, you listen to guys and I listen to Chara's interview on Chicklets, right? And he talked about, you know, the leadership group of the Bruins, right? And obviously that's what he was relating to. And he was like, I had to, so it wasn't just the guys with a C or an A on their sweater. And I think as coaches, you need to recognize that, right? You know, maybe the, the, the three best players or the, you know, three seniors end up being voted captains. And it's, it's hard to overlook that, but bring in two or three other guys that are core pieces to the puzzle and have conversations with them. Like, don't say, Oh no, this is like the captains, like have your leadership group and it can be some added players. Maybe it is an older player on the team that might not be the best player. Right. But he's a kid that's been around and maybe he is a pretty vocal guy in the locker room and he's able to, to, you know, talk to the kids and maybe the, you know, the top end talent, the best guys are just quiet guys and kind of keep to themselves. You know what I mean? Which Chara kind of was, I mean, you can relate to that better than me. You should you you should really talk about it. But I'm just thinking, you know, maybe that the guy that with the actual C on a sweater is kind of a quiet guy, but he can use one of those leadership group guys, that guy that may not even have a, a letter, and he could be a little bit of the voice in the locker room in between periods. You know, when you have a bad shift, you know, the guy on the bench that's kind of being vocal and pumping guys up, hey, we need more and things like that. Yeah, getting back to that Bruins group, it was Chara and Bergeron who had the – the consistent letters and you know they were the leaders you know you say z would be leading by example just going into the weight room so guys would go into the weight room he'd say things when they're appropriate same with bergeron you know guys really listened when he spoke up but there was a, a really big supplemental leadership group like you're talking about so like mm-hmm. gregory campbell sean thornton chris kelly seidenberg you can go right around that that room around that time where they were all pulling in the right direction, holding the, you know, even the young guys accountable, you know, everyone was on the same page with the message, but it was a group effort. It wasn't just two guys being leaders and just because mm-hmm. they wore the the C and the A, but, and I thought that was the most healthy because that's coming from peer to peer to hold each other accountable. And when everyone was somewhat of a leader, I mean, everyone's, you know, doing the right things and consistently doing the right things. So you could bring in anyone from another team or get called up and they know the right things to do. And that was very similar to New Jersey when I, when I played there, you know, there was such a core group of leaders that, you know, you could in- interchange whoever, you know, and they come into a culture versus, you know, just a couple guys kind of leading the way. Right. No. And you see it now too. Like you, you look at a guy like Felino that, you know, Nick Felino that's on the Bruins now, like he's a, you know, a veteran guy that's a part of that leadership group. And I remember watching the, I think it was an Amazon series on the Maple Leafs and he was meeting with like, you know, the head coach Sheldon Keefe was meeting with the leadership group, not just, Hey, I'm meeting with the captains. It was, a, it was a, you know, maybe six guys that were kind of those core pieces and, and guys that, you know, and it wasn't just the six best players by any means. Yeah. No, I think that's so important to include guys. And, you know, because I was a little bit older and, you know, just kind of got some minutes, I was in, you know, some of those meetings in New Jersey and, it uh you know just about travel and kind of like you know say schedule for you know the upcoming week you know we Mm -hmm. had a lot of games or whatever it was or if we did do stuff on the road like what what we wanted to do and um it just it made me feel good to be involved so get back to your point about the you know the coaches bringing in you know a couple other kids other than just the captains it goes a long way and it, it does provide you know some confidence to those guys that aren't wearing the c's and, mm-hmm. you know, they can still be leaders without wearing a letter. 
No, definitely. Uh, Mots, what do you say? It's my hockey rankings question of the week time. Uh, I can I can take the question here. I noticed my team disappeared in the new rankings this week. They were listed last week, but I couldn't find them when the new rankings were released today. What happened? Can I do anything to get them to reappear in the rankings? Uh, and you want to take the answer? Yeah. Just we went right to the source. Yeah. So this is the answer from our boys at my hockey rankings. And I just love, I love how he's, Hey, can they just reappear? Yeah. Um, no, yeah. You can just come back out of the cloud. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So they, my hockey rankings increase the minimum number of games required to be ranked in my hockey from five games to 10 games in this week's rankings. This is an annual practice that takes place at the beginning of February each season. Teams that have between five and nine played games in the system no longer qualify for the rankings. My hockey rankings lost around 500 previously ranked teams because of the minimum game requirement increase this week. If you are affiliated with one of the teams that disappeared in this week's rankings, no worries. Your team will reappear in the rankings once they meet the new 10 minimum game requirement. All you have to do is submit missing game results via My Hockey Rankings guest game score entry portal. Go to their homepage, myhockeyrankings.com. Click the report scores tab. Click the link to enter scores as a guest. Please provide website evidence if possible to expedite the game score approval process. Keep in mind that guest game results must be approved by a division volunteer or my hockey rankings admin team member, which can lead to a slight delay at times. Great answer. There you have it. Yeah, yeah, great answer. We went right to the source. Neil and Ian hooked us up. Uh, obviously, great question. And those guys, they continue to do a great job at myhockeyrankings.com. I can speak firsthand. Just going to a tournament, it was, you know, they they, they placed everybody in proper divisions. Uh, really, really good. You know, even with us being down a couple players, it was really good competitive hockey games. We didn't have the best results, but every game was, you know, a flip of a coin. Could have gone either way. Bounce of a puck here or there. And it was, it, it made for such a good tournament experience and, you know, no blowout game. So it was really a... Uh, Really good stuff. Um, Mots, I think we talk, you know, it's about time we talk about who we have coming up for an interview this week. Obviously, we were lucky to be joined by Keith Kachuk, obviously a, uh, a USA Hockey Hall of Famer, uh, and his kids are, uh, you know, they just lit it up down at the NHL All-Star Game. Must have been an unbelievable experience for him. Yeah, Big Walt, as he's called. Super guy. You know, I've met him a bunch and uh, enjoyed watching his game and his kids, like, they're both all-stars playing on the same team, which was uh, really great for him. Um, and then Matthew coming home with the MVP, which was quite a, a quite nice a, a nice little Honda to add to the uh, cow repertoire. I'm sure he's sporting that down A1A, right? Yeah. No, I heard he gave it to his grandmother, so he's uh, – Oh, well, it's in Boston then, even better. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> uh, But, yeah, just proud parents, you know, definitely uh, a great hockey family, and uh, we we're pumped to have him on, so – Hope you guys enjoy um, this hockey. See this 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 interview is also brought to you by TSR Hockey. Go visit our guys at TSR Hockey in Tax Free Salem, New Hampshire, where you can stock up on all your equipment needs for the remainder of the season. TSR stocks team apparel from CCM, Bauer, Warrior, you name it. Does everything in house embroidery, printing. Uh, you can reach their team store at 603-912-5970. Ask for Mike or Dave, and they'll take care of you. TSR Hockey is New England's. Premier Hockey Store and is a proud sponsor of the Rink Shrinks. Visit tsrhockey.com 
for all your shopping needs and tell them the Rink Shrink sent you. And now it's time for our interview with Keith Kachuk. All right, and our next guest on the Rink Shrinks podcast is a veteran of 1,201 NHL games, totaling 165 points and a I mean, even more impressive 2019 penalty minutes, a multi-time NHL All-Star, a first-round pick. Uh, his career was spent in Winnipeg, Phoenix, St. Louis, and Atlanta. He's now, uh, you know, even more famous for being a hockey dad. Welcome to the podcast, Keith Kachuk. All right, boys. Thanks for having me. I should have probably stayed out of the box more. I probably had more cookies there. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think I think you created a little bit of room for yourself. And going to the, the net with sharp elbows. So. Yeah, fooled him for a while. <laughs> oh, it. that's great. Well, Keith, uh, you know, let's start off obviously talking about you and, and growing up in the Boston area. Um, you know, where did you fall in love with the game? Well, back when I was growing up, I mean, obviously I was a young kid growing up playing, you know, watching the Boston Bruins. That was huge back for me, you know, and we came from a hockey family. My mom's, you know, family loved the Boston Bruins. My dad, you know, was a big, you know, loved the sports too. But I don't know. I just grew up with the heyday of the Bruins. And, you know, they're always big, physical, tough teams, fun to watch. I got to watch them all the time. So, and got the odd chance of going to the Garden. And anybody who's ever seen that Boston Garden as a kid. Um, and then living your dream, being able to play there at one point was unbelievable. So that's where I fell in love with, you know, guys who played for the Bruins. I love them. I wanted to be a Boston Bruin. And obviously, you know, in the 1980 Olympics, when I was probably about seven or eight years old, it was kind of like the kickoff for me to really want to become a, you know, hockey player. You know, growing up in the area and, you know, with that kind of impressionable time, you got, you know, Bobby Orr and the Big Bad Bruins, the the 80 Miracle on Ice, where the, uh, a bunch of like street hockey games, like where did you kind of like get, you know, in the neighborhood, did you get, get out and, and play some street hockey with the boys and ponds uh, or breaking yeah, the ranks? I was, I was lucky. I, I mean... It's crazy to think. I actually showed my kids at one point when they were younger where I grew up. I grew up in East Boston. Obviously, you know, it wasn't what you called, you know, a place where you want to, you know, you, a bunch of hockey players grew up. You played, you know, ha, you know, we had, we had, we were lucky. We actually had a street hockey rink right down the street from my house. So back then we used to play roller hockey and that's when, you know, we didn't have the roller blades like they have now. It was like the old roller skates you played with. <laughs> so I fell in love with that guy. I mean, I don't know what kids do nowadays. They're probably buried into video games, but every day we came home from school, you basically went weather permitted. You went out and you played roller hockey till it got dark out and your mom can literally would yell out the window, Keith, Kevin, get home. And I was fortunate enough to have a brother that was close in age. So, you know, it, it, I did that every day. You know, and when you're younger, you, you know, you you start developing different stuff. It was fun. You're out there all the time. You're active. And, and you know, I was lucky, you know, weather, you know, growing up in East Boston, you had the ocean there. So there was not, not a lot of pond hockey to play. So we played a lot of street hockey and a lot of roller hockey. Any dust-ups in those games? Yeah, I'm sure there was. And, you know, back then I was, you know, I, was, I grew a lot quicker than a lot of most kids. So I think some of these older kids mistaken me for – their age, so I'd always get, you know, confronted all the time. I'm like, dude, I'm like four years younger than you, five years younger. Uh, it's still a different atmosphere growing up there than where my kids grew up nowadays. Speaking of that big bad Bruins stage, I, I was talking to Kevin. He said you had a couple couple hole in ones. Who were those guys? Who who were you playing with during those? Yeah, I, I got lucky, you know, I had to have two hole in ones, both playing with the same guy, both the same hole on the at the Ridge Club and Sandwich, and it was Bobby Orr. And one <laughs> nice. I not bad company. 
Yeah, it was the one time I did it. First of all, Bobby's a phenomenal person. Like he's an unbelievable person. You know, we're neighbors in Cape Cod on the, at the Ridge Club. And the second time I did it, it was me and my brother versus him and his partner, you know, at a member guest. So, you know, and I was wearing his jersey. And I mean, yeah, <laughs> Kevin had the white jersey on. I had the dark, I had the white jersey on. Kevin had the dark jersey on. So I was home. He was away. And, uh, but I got it. It was great. And he was a good, he's just a great person. You know, he's more excited than you are for the hole in one. That's yeah, unbelievable. A, yeah, such a gentleman. I haven't got one since, though. That was a bunch of years ago. So, yeah. gonna have to call Bobby and try to get in. I need one. <laughs> yeah, you guys had a great group down there at the Ridge Club. Uh, that's where I first met you, you know, with LaChance, uh, Monty. Uh, a few of the other guys, you know, down there, it's just like a, a really old boys club with with Bobby and Derek, and you guys. Uh, uh, anybody listens to Derek Sanderson knows, man, that guy is one of the funniest guys. He's a great person, great stories, and that guy's lived it all. Like he's done everything, and uh, you know, he was a phenomenal golfer too. You know, he's gotten a little bit older, obviously now, but he was an unbelievable golfer, and, and just playing with him and getting stories and, and listening to him. And they got some real stories back in the day. Yeah. Elsie was my roommate. They were down there for a little bit. Marty, Tony, and all those guys left. I think Pody's still down there, but he's a pretty quiet guy. He doesn't get out much. No, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> those those must be tame times. They sound like with that with that type of crew. And now adding your boys to the mix. I uh, I can only imagine what those weekends look like. Send yeah, the wife and kids send the wives <laughs> away, right? Yeah, I would love to get down there more, but it's getting tougher and tougher. Brady's getting married this summer, so I don't know if we'll be back there this spring so or this summer. So, Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I, I remember playing with Derek, and he was uh, – I think he was at State Street, State Street or something, but we were playing the Ridge, and there was a kid that could barely play golf, and he's he's like, hey, you know, think I could try your driver? He's like, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, hey, tee it up a little lower. And he's like, oh, is, does that make it go further? He's like, no, I just don't want an idiot mark on the top of my club. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just like – in one of those scuff marks, like the kid could barely hit the ball. I loved that's it. Awesome. That's Derek for you. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so you obviously, you know, growing up playing youth hockey, was there, you know, other sports? Like were you guys just always playing street hockey, hockey, or were you, you know, into baseball, lacrosse? Uh, lacrosse probably wasn't that big at yeah, that time, right? I, we were busy. I, back then, we did the, the football during the, the this fall. You did your hockey during the winter, and you did your baseball during the spring and summer. And then – I would mix in a little bit of hockey during the summer just for a tournament or two, but it was, I think that's what helped me in, in hockey in general is being able to play other sports. And I loved other sports. I really did. It wasn't just, you know, we were busy, but you know, we got to do everything and, and I loved all the sports I played and, and continue that. I quit football when I went to high school, but I still got to play baseball at Mullen Catholic. So it was, um, it was a lot of fun. I think it's important to play, you know, multiple sports just to get your, First of all, to meet other kids and just to try different things and balance your, you know, balance it out a little bit. And I think it helps to get down the line. You know, it did help me with my hand-eye coordination on the net, on the ice around the net. So I was fortunate to do that. Nowadays, it's a little different. You know, guys prioritize their, you know, their sport, I think, a little bit too early. That's just the demanding of the schedule. And, you know, you wish you can fix it and be able to play multiple sports. Now, were there any uh, major influences in your kind of early days as far as development you know, a coach, a parent, um, you know, and then as you went to Malden Catholic, you know, yeah. your coaches there. Well, I had my cousin, Tommy, and, you know, all my cousins, Tommy and Scott Fitzgerald both played at Austin Prep, and Tommy went on to play at uh, Providence. It was a first-rounder, so I got a chance to watch him. 
he was a few years older than me, so I never got a chance to play against him. But, you know, watching him and see him go through that process and becoming, you know, a really, really good player and getting drafted in the first round and playing pro hockey, you know, I always went to see him when he played Frost and Prep when I could and, you know, loved it and made you want to work harder. And, you, you know, you want to reach. So I owe a lot to him just from following him around and seeing how much success he had. And, and obviously he was a great guy and great person, you know, treated me great. And, you know, now look at him. He's a general manager of the Jersey Devils, and they're doing really well. So I'm, I'm happy for him, happy for his family. He didn't pick up his son, though, when he went on waivers. I, I think we, we almost did. <laughs> <laughs> I think he had a bunch of claims in, so yeah. I'm happy for Casey. So Me too. He's, he's down in Florida with Matthew. He's living with Matthew. He better not be in my room, so I'm going to be free when I get there. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Can you talk about the, you know, the decision of going to BU, uh, obviously being a Boston kid, was it always a dream just to go and, and be a Terrier? Well, you know what? I, I had, um, I had some good options, you know, and, you know, I wanted to stick around. That's what Massachusetts guys did. They wanted to stick around had some good visits at university of New Hampshire and Northeastern. And, and I think BU was the one BC Mott's never offered me. They were the only <laughs> school in, and uh, I think the Hockey East that didn't offer me a scholarship, so I thought that was a little bit bizarre. They must have been watching Kevin or something. Yeah. Must- <laughs> <laughs> well, Ke- Kevin's a righty. Jesus. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's good. I can't wait to tell Kevin that. But no, I, I just felt BU having, you know, what they – their development process with Mike Boyle and, and Jack been around a long time and – you know, when you have an opportunity to go play with, you know, McGeckrins and Amantes and Sackos and guys like that, Dave Tomlinson, who mm-hmm. not a lot of people know, was one of the best college hockey players, I think, around. So, you know, we had a good team, and, you know, I, I just felt that was the best situation for me to get to the next level. I mean, ultimately, you know, you, you, know, you want to go there and, and give yourself a chance. I was a first-rounder at the time, and, and it was a good stepping stone to the NHL going to BU. Now, you mentioned a couple of those guys. Were there any guys in particular that really helped you kind of make that transition a little bit easier into college hockey and kind of show you the path at that level? Well, yeah. I mean, all those guys, you know, there was other guys that, you know, were, you know, great teammates, Kevin O'Sullivan, who's a Boston guy, the Davis brothers. So, you know, they they were sophomores when I was freshmen, so I got to hang around them quite a bit and you know, and our, our captain was Mark Chris, who was an unbelievable guy. I don't know if you guys ever met Mark Chris. You know, his son's Chad. Yeah, great player. Brown, and, and they're just a great captain and really helped me out. And, you know, we had a good team. We went all the way to the finals. Unfortunately, we lost to a team that had, like, 30-year-olds on it on Northern Michigan. I mean, they were the oldest team in the league, I think. Uh, but what no, was the final it, score of that game? Imagine losing the national championship game when you when you scored seven goals and you, I, you I lose I think, it, I think it was 8-7, right? Yeah. It was, it was the clear boards. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that game. Old Minneapolis-St. Paul Arena there in downtown yep. St. Paul. So it was uh, – I mean, we're I, that game was interesting. You know, their best – their our best player was Tony Monte. And um, the guy shadowing him, I think, had a hat trick, which is funny. <laughs> That's bizarre. How does that work? Yeah, I don't, but Tony, Tony forgot to shadow him at, on the other side of the red line. Oh, we were, we were like the UNLV running Rebels. We were running <laughs> we were wide open, baby. The old smite division kind of score. Oh, that's too. awesome. That's awesome. 
Uh, and then, I mean, you made the transition kind of to, t- you know, Team USA uh, around that, what, 91, 92. Uh, what was that experience like playing for your country? Obviously, you 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 know, played in the World Juniors as well. But what was it like representing that country? And, and you know, did you guys, like, travel around as a team for that yeah. entire year? That was crazy year. I mean, I wasn't expected. You know, you, first of all, you get in the summer, you go to St. Cloud, I think it was, for the festival. You know, you have multiple teams there, multiple players, and you have multiple teams, and you're trying out your scrimmage and you're practicing. I wasn't expecting to be, you know, make the cut. I made it past that point, and at that point, you get to travel around the whole year. You know, you know, once every month, you'd probably go to St. Cloud and practice for a week, and then go back out with your schedule. And that year, you played. I mean, we must have played Canada 20 times in the U.S. in Canada. And then we played all the American National Hockey League teams. So you want to talk about getting thrown into the fire from college to that level. Um, you know, now you're going playing against guys for the Minnesota North Stars who are pissed off they got to play against the Chicago Blackhawks, St. Louis Blues. Fortunately, we got to play in Boston Garden, you know, playing the Bruins. But it was the exhibition games. And it was awesome. It was a great experience. You got to see what it was like. You didn't play every game because we had so many guys traveling. Um, but it was a really good experience and, and we got to travel around to, you know, the whole country. And then every once in a while they would let guys go, you know, and then fortunately I made it to a certain point, like, in I don't know, after Christmas where I'm like, you know, I'm still alive. Do I go back? It's kind of a waste to go back to college now and, you know, did a secret deal of sign and then made the final cut and went over to represent, you know, USA and, in France, which was a beautiful spot. And we finished fourth against, you know, we're all pretty much all amateurs minus a few guys that were playing over in Europe. So overall, it was a great experience. And, you know, I got fortunate enough to play in four Olympics, which, you know, is a dream come true and got to play in a couple world juniors and, you know, a couple other events in the World Cup. So it's, it's, uh, I love playing for your country. I love the atmosphere. I love getting to play with different guys and, and it was a lot of fun, but you know, I'm very fortunate to be able to do that. I just remember that '92 Olympics, just coming home because the the time slots were like really good for you know just getting home after school. And uh, was it Ray LeBlanc? Was yeah, Ray LeBlanc. He talks like Mike Tyson. This lad, I don't, even, I don't even, he lived in a van. I think I don't know. He was our starting goalie. Yeah, he came from like the you know the Wolves or something. He, he was in the IHL and he just stood on his head. But you guys were like such a rootable you know team that. You know, yeah. young and, you know, I knew some of the names and, you know, it was just really neat for me to to kind of root and be a fan of USA hockey and, and local guys. So, yeah, there was a, you know, my, there were a ton of Boston guys. There was, you know, like I'm, I'm probably forgetting a lot of guys, but it was like Marty McKinnis, Teddy Donato, Steve yeah. Hines, you know, Joe Sacco came back, Timmy Sweeney. Yeah. Um, you know, Greg Brown. We had a bunch of guys. It was it was unbelievable. I mean, it was it was so much fun. Clark Donatelli, Rhode Island guy. You know, yeah. so it was a good bunch of guys. And you know, Teddy Drury was on there. David Emma. We had a lot of fun. Came up short, but had a great run. And I don't think we ever seen Ray LeBlanc ever again. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you might see him down in Lauderdale, like living on the beach or something. Oh yeah, man. Chorus. No, he was unbelievable that tournament. Holy yeah. cow, was he on fire! Yeah, at the elbow room with a snake around his neck. <laughs> <laughs> well, you talked about playing Canada. Humorous. <laughs> uh, 
You talked about playing Canada those 20 times. I don't want to jump too far forward, but I, uh, you know, that 96 world cup was, you know, very influential, like in my career and you know, my, my life growing up, I was 12, 13 years old at the time. And I just remember those games and those wars and you obviously, you know, the, the, the battles before they even the face off started, but Billy Garrett, Billy Billy, first of all, Billy's an, an unbelievable guy, an unbelievable teammate. He'd do anything for you. And, you know, he was my line mate. Poor Mike Madonna was probably, <laughs> you know, he was like, what are these two going to do today? You know, so I knew Billy had my back. And I think the first game we played in that World Cup was in Philly. That was a brand new uh, building. We were the first uh, event in that new building. And, you know, USA versus Canada. You know, that's when Lindros played for Philly. And so it was unbelievable, sold out. And, um, me and Billy were in the locker room. We got some, you know, we had the Philadelphia Flyers locker room, so we had everything. First game of the year, played Canada. You, you're going crazy. You're climbing a wall. You want to just get out there and, and do something. And and when, and when Billy, when um, you know the coach Wilson came in and gave us a starting lineup, I think they put Joel Otto in between me and Billy to start the game. And I, I don't know, maybe the Hatcher brothers or something. So <laughs> something was going to happen. And uh, I said to Billy, whatever happens, if somebody's fighting, don't be the second fight. Well, at the end of the day, I was the second fight. Like I, I think I lasted 35 seconds of that game. <laughs> so that was, it, was, it was an unbelievable feeling. And then, then going to win that tournament where nobody gave us a chance, you know, being down in the two out of three series, one game to none, going to, you know, Montreal to play game two and three. But Mike Richter was phenomenal. And Brian Leach, I mean, Chelly. I mean, we, we had a good crew, and I think that was, you know, one of the best teams I think USA will ever have. Yeah, and looking at that, that was that was before the season. And you guys are playing playoff hockey. You know, yeah, it was. It was. It was, it was crazy. But that's, that's – it was just so much fun. It was, you know, like it just – you know, we had a group of guys that were young and hungry and, and you know – we felt like we finally had a team that can, you know, not just, you know, as talented as Canada, but we had that mixture that we were missing before where it's physical play. I mean, there's a lot of kids nowadays that don't know the name Adam Denmark. You know, I was just going to yeah. say him. Yeah. You, know what? you know what? You know, his, his career was cut short by a head injury, yeah. but he was, a, he was a, a big power forward who won with Colorado, who was a tough son of a gun, mm-hmm. and he could play physical and guys like that, and he was a good player. You know, guys like that, you know, a lot of people don't realize it was a, was a big part of that team. And, you know, we had the Hatcher brothers. You know, we had some toughness. We had the Mike McDonald's, the Hullies, Dougie Wade. You know, we had the skill. Scotty Young, who was a great two-way player. Johnny LeClaire. You know, our defense was loaded, loaded. Gary Suter, who was under the radar as a player, you know, and mm-hmm. we have Mike Richter and uh, Patty LaFontaine. It was just a it was just a fun team. We all got along. And I think Lou Amarello treated us unbelievable. He knew he had a bunch of caged animals. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 it was good, though. He knew, but he, he, he just, you know, he kept us in a secluded area, but let us do our thing. And this is before the tournament started. We had so much fun. He kept us busy with golf and stuff. So he was smart. He knew. But he knew he had a bunch of caged animals that can go out and just, you know, go crazy. You know, so it was that was that was a fun. We were actually down in Providence, Rhode Island, at Providence College. Uh, you know, for most of our camp. So it was it was fun, and a lot of guys were cl- lived closely. But we always played golf, practiced hard, and got ready for the tournament. Yeah, that, that was an amazing. 
amazing tournament. I don't think you can be ever ever be duplicated with like the passion and the feelings that like you were talking about. You guys were young, hungry, and now everyone's like, you know, buddy, buddy. You know, you yeah. guys wanted to rip each other's faces off, which was amazing to watch. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I'm glad I'm glad I was a part of it. Yeah. Well, then you you obviously you um you know coming out of the college and the you know, team USA you sign with you know being a first rounder with the Jets like it's a long way from from East Boston and Medford Massachusetts that's for sure right uh, yeah. what was yeah. it like that transition to the NHL you know what it was it was I didn't know much about Winnipeg I really didn't um, it's it's it was interesting I met the team on the road and then finally one night on the after the road we flew back to Winnipeg and it was like holy cow. <laughs> it's probably one of the coolest places on earth, but it's a small town. At the time, I loved it. I thought it was great. They love their hockey. Um, they're passionate about it. Um, you know, we did a lot of things together as a team because it was such a small town, and that's what I loved about it. And you know, played four or five years there. I think four and a half, maybe, and uh, had a blast. Had some good teams. Got to play with some great players. But they they were phenomenal fans. I missed it. I had a blast and. It was unfortunate that we had to leave, but I'm glad the city, in the, in the, you know, the province got the team back. And but I have a lot of great memories there. Yeah, it is a great hockey town, and you know, you were there with uh, Solani during his r- sen- sensational rookie year, and Phil Housley, some great, you know, some great players. Oh, like you're saying, I'm, I'm telling you right now. Speaking of Solani, that at first of all, he was. I mean, that 76 goal year was it was crazy. I mean. The amount of attention that that Winnipeg Jets got and we got because of Timo was incredible. I remember the, the the game he broke the record. I forget what goal it was or maybe it was the fiftieth or whatever he broke the record when he threw the glove in the hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason why I remember that game so much, not because he broke the record and it was go place was going crazy. I was minus five that night. <laughs> <laughs> and the best part is, I scored an even strength goal. <laughs> <laughs> I can see the GM brought me in like the next day or two later. He said, if you don't play better, we're going to send you down. So that was a little wake up call, but no, that was, uh, you know, Alex Zamnoff, who's another guy that I got to play with was so underrated. If he played anywhere else, people would know who he was. And, you know, Phil Housley got to play with Eddie Olchek, got some great players and a lot of fun up there. Is that where Edzo, Edzo deemed you uh, Walt? Yeah, yeah. He said your name's Walt, and I said, "Okay, sir." That was like my first time I've met him. He told me that, so he was great. He took care of me. He was a great guy, you know. And uh, being American, the Americans kind of, you know, stuck together and hung out. And uh, he was great. He was great. It's funny when when my brother broke in with Phoenix, and obviously like Jr. and those guys were there. And I think actually you you know you you let him live in your place for a, for a bit, yeah. but. Keith said they were on the road and, you know, talking to, to Stan Wilson, the trainers and guys that still had relationships with you and, you know, they, whatever it was a night guys like, Oh man, I can't wait to tell Walt about this one. And Keith, so Keith calls me and he goes, I don't know who the hell they keep talking about. He's like, but they keep saying like this guy, Walt, Oh, I can't wait to tell Walt. He's like, who the hell is Walt? You know, <laughs> this is before it, you know, like Google searches were a thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. So he, uh, <laughs> He was. I'm like. I'm like. I think I've heard Dad or somebody call Keith Kachuk Walt. Maybe that's who they're talking about. I go. They must just be putting the, uh, you know, the Boston Charlestown connections together. Yeah, that's hilarious. Oh, it was funny. He's like, who, who the hell is that guy? I'm like, I don't know. I think maybe Keith Kachuk. Hopefully. Hey, speaking of Charlestown, I uh, I was on a dad's trip this year in Florida, and we were in Boston. 
Oh, and I'm a member. I'm a member at the Halligan, so I took all the dads. Uh, my dad met me over there. Took all the dads to the Halligan Club. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I feel like, what the heck is this? Yeah, <laughs> they loved it. <laughs> of course they did. I think we cleaned them out, but I left a lot of money in there. So <laughs> I think we're doing fine. But they love that place. They couldn't believe it. Oh, I'm sure that's like legendary. That's unbelievable. That it, you know, it must be so cool for you to be part of that, and obviously have your your dad around and being a Boston firefighter, and you know that the history of the city. It's uh, that's really really cool. Yeah, it's fun. I'm glad I get a good chance to get back to Boston. You know, often now. Now that the boys are in the Atlantic Division, it's really that's nice. Right. I was going to ask. Uh, was uh, John Paddock your coach, GM, in Winnipeg? Yeah. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Uh, he was a tough. He played. He wanted guys who played the game hard, tough. You know, physical, and you know, he, that was my first coach ever, and he was great to me. And back then, they can say whatever they want to you, and you know, they don't get in trouble. So, um, you know, he was honest. He said, you know, he wanted me to go out there and play physical, but he was a great guy to play for. He really was, and you know, he's had a successful coaching career in the NHL. And now, obviously, he's in Regina. I think with, uh, with that that that. That player, I forget his name again. Yeah, he's a decent player. <laughs> yeah, that average player. School yeah. <laughs> world juniors, you know. But no, but I like John. John's a, a good guy. Once in a while, the NHL draft, I see him in the stands, and you know, get a chance to talk to him, and obviously thank him for what he's done for my development, and you know, the way he pushed me. Um, you know, you'll never forget. You know, the first coach you had in the NHL. You know, he was he was a great guy. Yeah, he was my first pro coach. He was down in Hartford with me. Uh, the Rangers farm team, and uh, I could probably just echo exactly what you just said. He helped me, you know, like college kid coming out like this, that, you know, whatever. And next thing you know, like he's he's giving me really good. He was tough on me, you know. Like yeah. he's he's like you're you're fat and out of shape, like, you know. And <laughs> Did he like, have a mustache? Did he have the mustache too? No, he didn't have the stash then. No. But I had to get on the bike a bunch, and you know, it was because I was playing so much in college, and then I was playing like maybe like fourteen minutes, but still yeah. eating as much. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So then he's like, you know, you got. I, I heard you had a pretty good setup at uh, BC. What, what were they called? The pods, not the pods. They oh, the mods. Mods. That's what it was. I heard. I've heard some legendary stories there, but I heard yeah. that. I heard they're not allowed to have those anymore because of you. Yeah, they call <laughs> they call the mots now, not the mods. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. But yeah, uh, Coach Paddock was you know inf uh, instrumental in my development as well. Like the one thing that I, I do, you know, I'll just mention is like he's like you don't have to be big and strong because you know you're not gonna out muscle like say you. You know, like when you got to get to the spot quicker, so you need yeah. to be leaner and faster. And use your head because you have a decent head. So I'm like, all right. So then that's I took that approach the rest of my career, and you know, so I'm glad that you had a good experience with him as well. Yeah, a good guy. Love, he was awesome. I love him. Let's take a quick break from the interview with Keith Kachuk and talk about Cross Country Mortgage. We're in a purchase market right now. Devo and the team at Cross Country Mortgage have options and strategies to provide buyers with lower monthly payments. It's a great time to buy a home, especially if you're renting. So it's time to give Devo a call and chat about why home ownership makes sense. Again, it's a purchase market and a great time to buy. Give them a follow on Instagram at ChrisDevonCCM for more information. Website ChrisDevon.com where you can schedule a time for a call with him. Cross Country Mortgage, LLC, and MLS, 47305. Yeah, Devo has been crushing it with the Instagram game. I was I was looking today. He had you know 
pros and cons of renting versus buying and does a great job. He's a great man, obviously. And now back to the interview with Keith Kachuk. What was that transition like going from from Winnipeg to Phoenix and and making that move uh, as as a professional? It was interesting. Um, like it, it happened very quick. We you didn't have enough time. Like we went down there for All Star break uh, just to check it out because it was already sold that year as a lame duck year in Winnipeg. So it was difficult for the fans. But you know, getting down there and finally, you know, I never you know been down there before before until I, we went there for the All Star break. It was. It was just a different type of living, you know, and um, fell in love with the place. Great spot. I mean, when, you, when you're down there and you're playing and you're waking up and wearing shorts to the rink and, you know, you just feel a lot better physically. Now, it's on the flip side, it's a lot tougher to play out in West because you're doing a lot of traveling and, you know, you're on the road for four or five games and then you're home for a while, so it's nice. But um, a lot of transplants there from, you know, you know, Minnesota or Detroit. So there was a lot of hockey fans there. And we played in an arena where, you know, it was the America West arena where the Suns play. And, you know, this part of it obstructed view seats. But we had great fans. We I think we had place pack all the time. We've had some pretty strong teams there. And, you know, I loved it. I was there for almost five years. I got traded in my fifth year, I believe. But uh, it was a great spot. You know, um, you know, it was, it was tough losing the team and some – Staff people had to stay back in Winnipeg. Some went to Phoenix. So it happened really quick there, but the transition was good and we had success and we had some fun teams to, to you know, hit the ice and Shane Doan and JR, guys like that, Tempo Newman and so happy booing. So it was fun. The, the cool part is that the whiteout kind of translated and transferred to uh, Phoenix as well. Yeah, that was, it was jacked up. It was good. They, they got into it. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's pretty loud in Winnipeg when they had that, and then to do that in Phoenix, and obviously we didn't have the success we wanted to, but it was a lot of excitement, and you know that. I mean, I think it really helped, you know, develop a lot of young hockey players that you're seeing now going to college, you know, and, and playing junior hockey, and eventually playing pro hockey like Austin Matthews. So, you know, it was a big buzz down there. There wasn't a lot of rinks, so I think, you know, I, I think with the, you know the Coyotes going there and, you know, it hasn't been great because they were out in Glendale and moving around, but hopefully things get settled and they can have it in Scottsdale or Tempe. I think Tempe is the next spot they're supposed to have it. I think you'll see a, you'll see, you'll see a big jump in, you know, youth hockey out there. I think it's done a great job and hopefully it sticks. Yeah, no, you look at the, the, obviously the influence that you guys had by going down there and, you know, Austin Matthews, but now even Arizona State getting a, you know, a division one team and it's, you know, hockey is growing and you see the numbers of all these, you know, kids and obviously Shane Doan's kids, Derek Morris's kids, guys like that, 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 you know, we're all playing and now giving back and coaching the community and, and things like that is really cool. And you're seeing, you know, kids playing division one hockey and playing pro hockey from that area, which is uh, you know, I think really, really cool and, and just shows the growth of the game. And you've seen it in all these different states. Yeah. 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 I think it's, it's imperative. Like when you see, you know, Wayne Gretzky obviously started the whole thing in LA um, that kicked off, you know, a lot of places out West, Southwest, and obviously Dallas, you know, and Arizona and Florida, you're going to see more and more of Nashville and eventually you're going to see a bunch of Vegas kids. I mean, this is what mm -hmm. it's all about promoting the game, not just in certain areas and, and when you do that, you know, you have alumni that stick around those spots and, you know, help out in those, have kids playing and, 
you know, you know, help, help, you know, help out in different areas. And that's how you grow the game. And uh, when you do that, you know, you know, they're not used to seeing hockey players down in Texas. Usually those best athletes are playing football and basketball and baseball, but now, you, you know, love of the game in Dallas, you're seeing more guys come out of that. I think it's great for hockey. It's great for USA hockey and it's great for the game. And you got to thank guys like Gary Bettman who went out and put these, you know, giving these franchises, you know, an opportunity. And I think it's been great for hockey. Yeah. Growing the game in non-traditional hockey markets is what, you know, Gary Bettman has done. I was going to say St. Louis is, you could put that right in there. Yeah. We have a great alumni and, you know, a lot of guys dating back to, you know, uh, Rob Ramage and Basil McRae, Al McInnes, you know, even before that Dunlop, you know, uh, you know, they, they just, it's been great here. And now you're seeing more and more kids play and, and, you know, nobody, if I was in, you know, like you guys growing up in Boston, if I saw a kid, if I played a kid from, if I'm a Massachusetts kid, I'm going to play a kid out in Chicago or Missouri, St. Louis. I'm like, dude, this is going to be like three and three tonight. You know, <laughs> you know, it's not the case anymore. There's some really good hockey teams and hockey players out here that can compete with the, the Michigans and the Minnesota and the, and the Massachusetts. So it's nice to see. And I think it's just great overall for the game and pushing the game and, and developing more players to give them a chance to play college hockey. You know, if you make the NHL, great. But you want an opportunity to play college hockey to keep your career going and get a, an education out of that. 100%. Talk about getting traded to St. Louis, kind of where you kind of put your roots down. Um you know, I, I heard a few stories, you know, so when you get in there, you, there's a established It's a PG team. show, Mots, remember. So we, <laughs> wanna, we, we will talk about those off air. Yeah. No, just in particular about, um, you know, it just I just love this stuff. But, you know, there's some big personalities, maybe like a, a Chris Pronger, per se. And you're the one guy that could really, you know, kind of talk him down or kind of put him in his place. You know, there was so, a few stories where it was just be like, you know, the, the seats are down or whatever, and he's wearing this terrible tweed jacket. And he, <laughs> you know, just like, you know, just a simple beak, and like no one would ever speak up to him. And then when uh, when Walt gets to the team, it, it, he's like, all right, you know, this, this is a Oh, you scared me. I didn't care who he was. He, even though he's probably the best player I've ever played with, uh, you know, he was, uh, yeah, he's, he had a personality on him, but he was a great player. And I thought it was tough playing against him during games when I was with St. Louis and, you know, or when I was with Phoenix. But the more I look at it, it's probably easier playing against him than it was going against him in practice every day. That's what was the toughest part about him. Because he had, you know, a little screw loose where he'd do something. But he was a competitor. But, yeah, oh, yeah. Nobody's safe in that one little box in that lock. I don't care who you are. I got ripped all the time, too. That's what it's all about. Guys like Dally Drake, Al McKinnis. You know, Scott Mellonby. I play with Mike Keane, who's one of the funniest guys. Billy Garen, you know, at USA stuff. Nobody's safe, and that's what makes a good team, you know. The young guys see that and like, oh, that's great. Did he just say that to proms, or did he say that? <laughs> yeah. Good. You got to have a little, you know, got to be a little lighthearted once in a while. No, that's great stuff. No, I mean, I think that's just the Boston persona, persona anyways. It's like nobody's safe. Everybody's got a nickname. Everybody's getting tortured yeah. in, in some capacity. It, it doesn't everybody's matter who you are. Story, you know? Everybody's got a story, you know. It's just, it's, that's what it's fun. That's what you miss the most is, you know, at the end of the day, you might not be best friends with everybody, but you respect everybody, and, and you're in that locker room and going, you know, going to battle, and there's some good moments. There are some bad moments, but at the end of the day, you're always pulling for each other and trying to get out of whatever you're 
into and it's it's a, that's what i miss the most is you know be, having that competitive you know edge with the guys and, and trying to become better as a team and you know we had some fun times in the locker room you know like good times and bad times but the other day that's what you miss the most now you, you spent quite a bit of time and in St. Louis, can can we get into uh, you know as you know your career winded down and you, you have your roots in St. Louis, you, your boys are starting to come through, you know with Matthew being a '97 birth year, you know you get him on the ice, you're able to be able to to coach him. Um, can you talk about that kind of transition from playing to coaching and and how it kind of went for you? Yeah, well, I wouldn't even when I was playing, I still obviously got a chance to be on the ice with them whenever I could for practice and stuff and being like off to the side a little bit. But, you know, and then when I finally retired, um, you know, I became full-time, never a head coach, but always assistant coach for both boys. One time I was head coach for Brady, but I'd rather be assistant, but it was fun. You missed a lot. And, you know, you, you know, every kid's different. You got to treat every kid different. You really do. And, um, you know, I enjoyed being around him. I'm sure some days he thought I was tougher on him than I should have been. And that's just based on, I, in my mind, you know, if you're going to be a coach, you should be harder on your own kid. I think it shows everybody else because everybody thinks just because you're on the bench, your kid's going to get special treatment. But not that's not how it was with me. And, you know, my wife tried to explain that to Matthew and, and Brady. But, you know, that, those are the fun days, you know, being on the ice and trying to help not only them, but just to help, you know, especially Matthew's group. That was the first group because he's the oldest was we had a great bunch of kids and, you know, lifelong friends of my son, Matthew. And it just it was great to be able to help them out. You know, not all of them moved on after midgets, but a lot of them did. And, you know, I'm glad I was a part of that to try to help them live their dream, whether it was playing junior. We had about seven to ten kids playing junior hockey and college hockey. And we had a girl on our team, Jincy Dunn, who was a great player at Ohio State and has represented USA and some different – you know, uh, world championships and stuff. So that was that was a lot of fun. You know, sometimes you'd be hard on a kid and your wife gets mad at you, but, you know, at the end of the day, they're always mad about something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, is that obviously your, your, your daughter. You'd say, God forbid if I slammed the door, she thought I was directing it at Matthew and, uh, you know, she'd get, you know, a little upset with me and tell me not to do that. I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> Was it easier? Obviously, your daughter Taryn's a you know world class uh, field hockey player. Was it you know easier almost just being like a dad there and just watching and kind of supporting her versus coaching the boys and being around the rink and something that obviously you know here you are a, a USA Hockey Hall of Fame or you know hopefully someday the NHL Hall of Fame Olympian, you name it, right? All star games, things like that. So it was was it almost easier dealing with her? Yeah, but then she would get, uh, you know, she girls are a little bit different, and you got to treat them a little different, according to my wife. My wife, you know, you know, she said it's not the boys' hockey; it's field hockey. Nobody just just relax and enjoy it. I said okay, but no one's good. I would go downstairs. We have I built her, not I, but we built her, uh, you know, a, a, a thing down in our basement for field hockey. So her and I would go downstairs. And some of those rules, I have no clue. I would went in, you know, blind going into there. I had no clue of the rules. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's similar to hockey. But she used to be a lefty, but she, she had, and now you can only play right-handed. So oh. she just started in seventh grade. So, you know, we were all new to this, but I loved it. I enjoyed watching it. And, um, you know, she's she's doing well and down in Virginia. And we try to get there as often as we can. But uh, it's a lot of fun watching. I mean, field hockey, it's a, it's a tough sport, but it's really good. I mean, there's some good players out east. 
a lot of good players out east, a lot of women, you know, field hockey players. So I like watching it, but you got to treat her a little different. You can't be as hard on her as like I was maybe once in a while on Matthew or Brady. <laughs> well, I think the the thing, the elephant in the room is good thing that they all took after mom with their athletic yeah. ability. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> Or blow me off and say, whatever, Dad. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm sure you guys have gotten that once in a while. Oh, what do you yeah. know, Daily. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great. Can you talk about the the, the growth of the youth hockey in, in, in St. Louis? Like you said, I'm sure when you were you first started with Matthew and then you know Brady being a couple of years younger, like what was it like? What was the travel like? Um, you know, obviously, like we were talking about before, it's you know, now you see all these different tournaments, whether it's St. Louis, Dallas, Pittsburgh, all these different teams coming together and really competing. And, and it's, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be at the, you know, Bantam and Pee Wee levels now. My oldest is 16. But you see, like, these all these kids coming from, um, you know, these different states and junior blues, like uh, the success that they're having. You know what? It's a big commitment to play hockey out here. It really is. Um, you know, it's a lot of travel. Um you know, the closest place you get to go to is Chicago. And you have you drive there, it's four hours. But, you know, you're playing a lot of tournaments in different places, whether it's Dallas, um, you know, Minnesota, Michigan. So you're doing quite a bit of travel now. And uh, But we have more and more rinks now, which is, you know, helpful. But, uh, you know, we've done a good job. At one point, you know, at one point we had, I believe it was, the 96s were coached by a former Blue Album chemist. I was involved in the 97s, Jeff Brown, the 98s, 99s. I was involved again, you know, then now you guys, you now you have former players like Andy McDonald, Barrett Jackman, Alex Brooks, who played pro. Um, I'm drawing Neil Komodowski. So you have a lot of former players and there was guys before me that, you know, bad, like I said before, Ramage McRae. So I think when you have that, you know, commitment and experience to help your, you know, your youth hockey out and start with a bunch of kids. And I think it, I think it really helps. And you got to give a lot of credit to the guys sticking around and help out. And I think it's made it successful. And I think, you know, the success of the St. Louis Blues with Brett Hull when back in the heyday, you know, when he came along, you know, the excitement of him scoring goals. And then in 2019 when the Blues won the Stanley Cup, I think we got an even bigger jump. You know, with youth hockey, people wanted to come out and play, both men and, and, and women or girls and boys came out and wanted to play. So I think the program is healthy. We got a lot of teams out here, a lot of kids playing, and, and you're seeing more and more kids come out and getting a chance to play college hockey, even kids I don't even know, which is great. It's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Some of those guys that you named, you know, I know Alex Brooks very well. I played with him, and, you know, Al McGinnis is where my mom's from in Cape Breton, oh, wow. Scotia. Yeah, so him and my uncle were friendly. Yeah. Uh, Way back in the day, but nice. always, always great people. You know, like you said, like if if these guys you should are, have asked for some shooting lessons, Mont. <laughs> I get a muffin. That guy, he can shoot a puck. <laughs> I stand in front of that when he shoots. Yeah. But he knew where he was going. He knew where he was going. <laughs> yeah, with those wood nowadays. sticks too. The, oh the yeah, he, I mean, I'm telling you. And he was a guy too, you know, because we all help each other out with practice plans and different things, or you go watch Al's team practice, you pick out a drill, you pick out a drill from a former team, from a former coach ad, like a Joel Quenville or something. But Al McKinnis, you know, he taught watching him teach his defenseman how to shoot the puck and how he used to. And it's not just, he's already in motion turning and that puck is off his stick, like so quick. And that's what we try to teach our kids who are on defense. 
and, and and you see the success. They you know they're quick learners, and you know I'm not saying they shoot as hard as Al McInnes, but they started to learn that. And I think when you have some of the you know experience that you have coaching, and that not a normal person might know that. Oh God, you're getting coached by a guy who had the won the Norris and had one of the best shots of all time. How do you not take advantage of that? You know, and it's little stuff like that. I think that's gone a long way. Yeah, and he's a gentleman too. Yeah, yeah, great golfer too. Takes oh, me. Yeah. Oh yeah, he kicks my butt. <laughs> <every time. laughs> You're his ATM. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can you talk about the you know, you know your process and in, in terms of your kids, all three of them, like in terms of multi-sports? So, like, were they kids that were doing hockey year round, or did you you know kind of come from the old school way of play different things and, and, and get away from it for a bit. Yeah. When they were younger, they played soccer, they played baseball, they did it all. You know, they never played football. They might have played flag football, but my daughter was a competitive soccer player up until one day she just came home and said in seventh grade, uh, all my friends are playing field hockey. I'm kind of burnt out of soccer. I want to play field hockey. And I'm like, all right, I guess so. I mean, I don't know. First thing about it, I said, you sure you're a pretty good player. And then, I don't know, it kind of worked out. But, yeah, I think as you get older, you know, you know, the boys' goal when they're, you know, midgets or late in BAMs, that's when you kind of you had to be careful with the, the hockey um, doing more because we were gone from September till, you know, April 1st probably or till Nationals. So it wasn't time to do anything on the ice three times a week. But, um, you know, their goal when they became, like, when they were Bantams is to make that national team development program. And so they were fortunate enough to, to continue that and be able to play in that. that, that that's a great program. My both my boys loved it. And it was a big commitment to move out there and, but they loved it and they wouldn't change a thing, you know? So at that point you kind of had to fizzle out the other activities, but you know, it worked out in the end. Yeah. We had Dan Muse on who's, who's a, a coach up there at the national development yeah. program. And um, you know, just like the, it's like a, a factory. They, you know, his, his approach is I really enjoyed listening to his process and, you know, kind of getting these kids and again from non traditional hockey markets to, you know, kind of come all, you know, together and, and buy in and be a part of a team. And you see the results and, and the, the pipeline that this program has produced. You know, you go from there to, you know, the World Juniors is like such a high level, you know, tournament now. And those guys are pretty much ready some of them are to go right into the nhl which is amazing yeah i mean that that program and i know dan for a while i knew dan when he was back at you know coaching at yale um mm-hmm. you know really intense, but good guy he's spent some time in nashville and i think that's what some of the you're getting from that program is you're getting guys that have experience in the nhl experience at high levels and um and at the end of the day you're practicing every day which you're not used to playing Bantam or midget hockey, at least that's, you know, until you went to high school, I didn't practice every day. Um, so you're on the ice every day. You're playing with, you know, the best 20 or 25 guys in the country your your age. And, you know, just in practice alone in the, in the fitness part of it, uh, you know, the off ice and, you know, going to a different school and being together as a team, you're only going to get better if you put the work in. I've seen both positive and negative out of that. And I've seen guys who – you know, probably didn't work as hard and had other things on their mind that, that really didn't succeed. And then the other guys who were driven, and, and that's what that program's for, is to you know, take advantage of your, your resources and make yourself better. And when you do that, and you know, you open up a lot of opportunities for yourself. 
Brady wanted us to ask you about your uh, record at Notre Dame. I'm not sure what that means, but oh, Brady, yeah. Well, no, one one time we went to Notre Dame and we we got up there. I don't think we won minute one minute. We had a lot of showcase, but one time we went up to our Matthews team. I swear to God, half the team made it up. There was a big snowstorm. We were supposed to play. Who was a copier? It was a wagon at a time. We went up there, played three games, didn't score a goal. <laughs> we were the second ranked team in the country. Jesus. Oh, yeah, we just had one of those weekends, and I skated the crap out of those guys. Practice. <laughs> <laughs> imagine we had like a bunch of first rounders on that team. We didn't score a goal all weekend. Oh, that's <laughs> unbelievable. Crazy. I think we played Bell Tire in the one game. Bell Tire. And, I don't know. It was. It was yeah. We, every time when I, mean, I took Brady's team up there, we we just never had success up there for whatever reason. That 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 rink was like whatever. It wasn't good to us. <laughs> That's funny. I figured it was. I, I figured it wasn't good when he said to ask the question. Yeah, yeah. We're like O for Notre Dame. We played a lot of games up there. And like I said, we were like the best. Matthew's team was one of the best teams you know around their birth year. So. That's great. Did, did you ever play Neil Shea's 97 King? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we came. We sent the teams into Boston, Matthew's team, and I wasn't there. I was – I don't know what I was doing. Um, I might have still been playing, to be honest with you. Um, and so they went, and no, Neil's had Noah Hannafin and Colin White. Right. Yeah. You know, I think Marino was on that team, and they had a, yeah. good, they had a really good team. And then they also we also played uh, Minutemen. You know, with mm-hmm. Calvert and those guys, so it, it was good for the boys to go back east and play. And and we actually, me and Nail, put some teams together to go play up in uh, Toronto in some tournaments. You know, it was good. It was a good group of guys. It was a lot of fun, but you know, it was different. But Nail's pretty intense. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He is nifty's intense. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. <laughs> Yeah, he's a good egg, though. Oh, uh, yeah, he's he's a classic and a good hockey guy, that's for sure. Uh, can you talk about the, the you know the kids and kind of going through like what was it like managing their expectations in terms of like going into the draft? Well, you know what, you you can't whatever happens happens. You know, you can't mm-hmm. really predict anything. I've been in those rooms where we're doing the drafts lifts, you know, draft uh, lists, please, and and you know it's it's hard. You know, every team's different. Every team you know, judges things differently. So you just never know what could happen. And I just, that's what I told the boys, you know, and, you know, you can't expect to go here or here. Just whatever happens, happens. You know, you can't worry about it. This is a special moment in your career that you'll never forget being called up there. Eventually you're going to get called up there. So um, it worked out both, both got drafted by great spots at the time. And, and um, you know, really excited. And, you know, it was weird. Like all three of us were, Myself included, with the two boys, all drafted by Canadian teams, which is a little different. So, uh, but no, it was um, it was quite the experience, and it was you know, it was uh, I was really proud of the boys, and they handled things really well. And I think you know them being around the rinks at an early age, yeah, you pick up some bad stuff, I guess, but there's a lot of good things and positive things they picked up, which I think helped them adapt pretty quickly once they went to their first training camp. So um, everything worked out, um, you know, as, as every young player, they're still pretty young ones. Matthew's just turned 25 and Brady just turned 23 at the beginning of the year. So, you know, they're still learning things. I mean, this is what it's all about. You're learning something new every day and they're working hard. They're being good teammates. You know, I tell them two things. I don't give a crap about points or this or that. Two things you got to remember is, you know, compete and be a good teammate. And if you do that, everything else will take care of itself. 
No, that's great advice. And, you know, I mean, the proof is in the pudding with that advice and, you know, the lineage that you've, you know, kind of set forth from, you know, being captain uh, at an, such an early age in Ottawa and, and Matthew were in a, a letter as well. It's, it's, uh, it must be pretty, pretty proud uh, parents in the yeah. household. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a big responsibility. You guys know when you're, it's it's magnified even more when you're in uh, in a in, you know captain of a Canadian team. It really is. It's it's harder. It's more, you know. You're always in the spotlight. You always have to answer questions. And I just told Brady, you, you know, you have the resources there. You have some older guys to to work with to help you along. You, you just got to go out and play and compete. If you do that, everything else will fall into place. You know, he's always asking for advice. But you know, Matthew, I think is obviously older and more seasoned. And Brady and has been in different, more situations than Matt that Brady has. But Brady's done a good job. They're battling. He battles. He competes every game. And I think he's going to keep continue to learn. And he's getting good help from veteran guys. And I think at the end of the day, hopefully he'll be captain in Ottawa for a long time. Oh, that's great. And that's great advice, especially for, for you know, I mean, that's that's a message that goes from, you know, mites all the way to the top, right? Like being a good teammate and yeah. – and obviously competing high, right? Especially the the higher levels you get to the kid, you know, everybody can skate, everybody can shoot and things like that. But what separates guys and, and, and guys like your boys are, are, you know, that compete level. And obviously everybody talks about their character. And I think that's something they obviously got from you. You hear stories about taking care of the trainers and guys like that. I think that's something that, you know, your humble roots, I think that you, You've you've got your guys, you know, relating to to those type of guys as well. well those guys, those guys are the most underpaid, uh, overworked guys in the league, and I'm, I just it's a shame when I hear guys don't treat them better. And every team has you know unbelievable trainers that are there early and they're late, and especially nowadays where these kids are asking for a lot more than they used to when I played. So uh, you got to take care of these guys. Some of these guys are my best friends, but. It's important. You got to remember where you came from, and you, you got to appreciate everybody you have working around you. And I think it's a better environment if everybody does that. Well, another proud moment. Uh, both boys going to the All Star game. Can you talk to us about that? What yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Long, long way for them to catch you, though. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it's harder to make the All Star game now. I think, um, uh, but you know what? It's I'm looking forward to it. We're staying at Matthew's house, my wife and I, and. We've got a lot of people coming in. Matthew has some friends in. Brady's got some people coming in. So it's going to be great because now they're on the same team. And it's good and bad because I feel bad for that third guy who's going to be on their line. He's going to probably have to do a lot of refereeing and breaking up fights on the bench. Like Brady, Brady's more simpleton. You know, he just goes out and but Matthew will say something wise to him. And Brady doesn't have a comeback. Brady's comeback is a beat the crap out of you. That's all. Matthew's <laughs> pretty savvy with his words. So, no, but it's exciting. Uh, we're looking forward to it. And, and, you know, they played in the All-Star game uh, in St. Louis against each other. Yeah. How to do it on the same, you know, the Atlantic division is going to be phenomenal. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah, big family crowd coming down. Yeah, I got my parents coming in. So grandma and grandpa coming in and, God, I don't even know how else. My wife's all interested. I just said, tell me where to go, where I got to be, and I'll be there. I think Matthew got us about a suite, too, which is nice. So that'll be good. I like the skills. The skills is fun. The yeah. game itself is kind of, you know, whatever, you know, but the skills event, it's pretty cool to see. 
do the kids know what they're doing yet in the in the skills? You know, I don't know if they do. I haven't talked Brady plays, so I don't, I don't know what they. I think they got to do the dunk tank one, and maybe Matthew has to do like the breakaway challenge or so. I don't know. That's what yeah. he told. Me. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> you know how those things can change at the last second. So right. I just you'll find me at the elbow room. I'll be watching it from there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be next to you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, that uh, this this has really been great. We uh, we appreciate you taking the time. Uh, this is you know some great messages, obviously from your your career, and then obviously raising the kids, which is uh, is obviously best of luck to those guys. And that they're, they're obviously all three of them are having great careers and whatever they're doing. Yeah, well, enjoy it, boys, because it goes by quick, and I, I do miss being on the ice with the with the kids and you know teaching them and helping them out. It's a, it's a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun. I miss it a lot. So thanks for having me, guys. Well, appreciate the time, Walt, and uh, have fun down in sunny FLA. We'll do. We'll do, baby. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. All right, boys. Take All care. right. Good luck. Thanks. We'll see you. All right. Take care, guys. That interview with Big Walt was also brought to you by Pro Stock Hockey. Give your kid the pro experience with free name personalization, free tape, same-day shipping, and friendly customer service with all kids' sticks and gloves. A 30-day warranty is also included with all kids' sticks. The world's largest inventory of Pro Stock sticks and gear is now for the kids as well. With a great selection of youth equipment, visit ProStockHockey.com today and use the code BYMOTS for 20% off your kids' gear order. Uh, Mots, what do you think of that interview with uh, with Keith Kachuk? Well, he's just a, such a great guy. He was a great player. You can tell that he's just he cares. He's a captain. He understands, you know, just tipping the trainers. You know, like I love that part of you know saying those guys work harder. They're there earlier. They're later than the players. And you know, just a small little you know thing of gratitude. Uh, but that just goes a long way in on showing the type of character that he has. And you see it in his kids now too as well. Both wearing letters, um, you know, with Brady being a captain in Ottawa, and it's just uh, it's fun to talk to a guy that you grew up watching, and then yeah. you know, able to kind of pick his brain about a few things, and you know how he dealt with the kids and his approach. Um, it was really, it was really great to hear it from uh, from Big Walt, and you know, again, what a super guy. Yeah, two funny stories that I forgot to bring up was obviously, like you said, growing up as a kid, kind of idolizing him. Obviously, his father, um, you know, was a Charlestown guy, was a Boston firefighter, and uh, the Knights of Columbus tournament in Charlestown was named after my grandfather, Harry Yandel, and Butsy McGrath. So it was every year, you know, one of the first weekends of the summer, it was a Friday, it was a big Charlestown Knights of Columbus golf tournament. Like, it was a gong show, like, but a great day. So, you know, my father, as we got older, he always brought us up there and Keith Kachuk would always be there playing every year and his father and his brother, Kevin, and uh, they all, you know, had a fun for some. So I was like that, you know, little kid and I'd like see Keith Kachuk and he's in his prime, like idolizing him, you know what I mean? And then he was getting older and then now we were in college and now my brother's playing in the NHL and he was bringing Brady and Matthew and those guys were kind of there running around, you know same thing like helping out at different holes and and just like being those guys and you know we were lucky enough to hang out with them and then there's a big time afterwards all you can eat chinese food and all that stuff and so it was like really really cool and then one of my brother's first training camps my aunt karen she had gotten a pair of gloves um old coyotes gloves from somebody you know within keith's family and maybe she won them and keith was going off to training camp 
And my brother, Keith, and she was like, hey, you might want to use these in training camp. <laughs> Keith's like, no, I don't think, you know, Aunt Karen, that's how it works. You, you, you don't show up wearing, you know, some guy's gloves that uh, – and, and it was like the thought that counted, obviously, but it was absolutely hilarious. But then, you know, having those connections, like Keith really yeah, – again, we knew them, but weren't like – there, Keith was older, and you know, as soon as he made the team out of camp with the Coyotes, like Keith called right away, let my brother live in his, um, you know, in his house that he had. He was obviously in St. Louis at the time, live there and and use, you know, basically have a home base instead of living out of a hotel and everything. So it was just that type of guy, that type of personality, and we could have sat there and talked to him for ten hours, obviously. Yeah, he's he's like a, just a real dude, and just you know, again, all star prototypical like one of the real great power forwards in my mm-hmm. opinion you know and then first american to lead the the league in goals is is a pretty cool stat to to have in your resume and you know tons of olympic teams and you know representing the u.s world cups and um you know it was just didn't get offered by bc though i know that was interesting you know they just <laughs> they, 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 like you said they must have been watching kevin <laughs> Oh, that was funny. No, it was good, good stuff. Uh, Mots, we got a couple uh, camps that we can talk about coming up here, February vacation, everything. You want to go over those dates? Yeah, so uh, the mini sheet at, at Thayer is going to be a small group of defense-specific uh, drills. Um, you can go to the sixline.com and, and sign up. There's, the, there's only a few spots left. It's uh, 8.30 and 9.30. In the morning, we're, we're doing squirts and peewees. Um, two groups, two groups. Two groups, yeah. Uh, that's starting on February 20th going through um, Friday uh, the 24th. So mm-hmm. make sure you, if you're looking for something for over the uh, the break, um, as well as what we're going to be doing is the April eight 10th. Week. Yep. Yeah, eight week, one, one night a week, Monday night. Um, it's going to – registration will open up relatively soon. We're going to get that up in – on the website, um, on the ring shrinks, and that will be from four ten to five twenty nine, eight weeks Monday night, and it's going to be two hours, you know, two different sessions uh, starting at seven o'clock. So seven, and then an eight o'clock. Yeah, no, we're looking forward to that. Obviously, we've had uh, great success with that in those eight weeks. Um, you know, is is always a lot of fun. I'll be there as much as I can during the uh, February vacation camp as well. But two good opportunities, real you know, defensive specific stuff. Uh, we're, we're you know teaching a lot of different nuances of the game, which we uh, we love to do and love to break down with the kids. Focused on backward skating and. Different things like that, walking the line, point shots, all the things that don't really get enough time spent in practice in my eyes. Yeah, right. like you said, situational situational reps that you can apply right to the games is really what the, the biggest thing. You know, you're going to work on your skating, your pivoting, um, and just getting a ton of reps in that small group uh, setting. So make sure if you're, you're looking for something over the break, check out the sixline.com for the defensive uh, skills. Yeah, and then that on the ringshrinks.com from April 10th to the uh, end of May, that'll be the eight-week session, which will, we'll, you know, that'll blow up quick as soon as we get the registration out there. Obviously, I want to plug quick just the uh, Nantucket camp that's filling up uh, that Keith and I are doing, uh, yandelhockey.com. You can register. There's a few spots left in the uh, older group and only a couple in the younger group. So, Mots, we know you're going to be coming down there. Oh, yeah. And, uh We'll uh, we'll have a day for ourselves, and you'll be able to show uh, show the kids. That's more of an all you know 
general skills, kind of go over everything, real station based, a little bit different than you know what what we do during the uh, defensive only stuff. But you'll get a lot of good stuff. There'll be some NHL uh, guests that come through as well. So we're looking forward to getting on the ice and teaching the youth, right? Yeah, shape the youth. That's what we like to do. That's what we do. Uh, Mott Super Bowl weekend coming up here. Any predictions? Uh, the Pats in it? No, they're uh, not. No, not this year. No, I, I would say uh, Kansas City, it's their year this year. Again. I know I'd hate to go against you, but uh, I think it's it's just too tough to, to you know, they're battle-tested. They've been there before. I think it's their year. So we're, we're hey, yeah. we can't even, like, throw some push-ups on the line. I know. Monday night, if you walk in the hallway and you see Mott's or I doing uh, 15 push-ups at the Garden, uh, it's because both of us lost. Yeah, there you go. That. <laughs> uh, no, that's good. Yeah, I think it's uh, always good to be able to watch and everything, but it just feels a little – I mean, we sound like grumps saying like, oh, the Pat's on in it. I know. Like, it's so it's so bad. We got, that, we got so spoiled. That Cincy KC game, though, no, was pretty legitimate. I that mean, was that was legit, and then yeah, you got you know a lot of the uh, kind of noise about the refs and how it's fixed mm-hmm. and all that. But it was a pretty exciting game. Uh, but yeah, I think if Mahomes the Eagles win, though, that city may explode. I know, I know that city may like that. It may go down. It may go down. Yeah, it's always good to. Uh, I mean, with with the Pats not being in it, it's good to you know get together with some buddies and you know you're not as dialed in on on the game i still like to watch the game but it's mm-hmm. not like i'm you know looking kinda... forward to the commercials yeah i'm that guy <laughs> you're that guy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome well uh Mots, obviously we thank keith kachuk for coming on he was uh he was great obviously you know proud dad of his kids but obviously his career was uh was a you know hall of fame s that's for sure he was a, a complete stud back in his day and i'm sure most of our older listeners all had the treat of uh of watching him just pound people's faces and create room for himself in front of the net going on you know that's why he was able to score 500 some odd goals in the nhl but uh so th- thanks to those to, to keith for coming on and now it's time to get the boys on we can get the the the, the trifecta yeah, that'd be great. We'll see if uh, we can carve out a little. They can carve out a little time for the ring shrinks and get the. Uh, imagine them on on one line together. That'd be you know with Keith back in the in the day. That'd be an intimidating line. Uh, Brady would have to seriously have to like get back and play low in the D zone because the other two would be hanging at the red line. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but at least they'd be able to clean up some change in front of the net when those guys are mucking in the corners and then just getting to the dirty areas. You could pick up some loose change. Yeah, that would be an interesting line. I would, <laughs> it would. It wouldn't be fun to defend. Not not fun to defend. I think there would be some. Uh, the highlights would be the banter in the locker room or on the bench if someone didn't get the puck or. You know, whatever. You know, because they're all uh, they're all characters. So, oh, for sure, for sure. Well, next week's a mailbag episode. Make sure you fill it up. Uh, send us an email, rinkshrinks at gmail Leave us a voicemail. We love the voicemails. Three four seven six seven four seven four six five. Again, three four seven six shrink. So it's three four seven six seven four seven four six five. You could always hit us up on Instagram at the rinkshrinks, Twitter at ring shrinks we just hit uh twenty thousand followers on instagram show shout out to the team on that yeah that's great we appreciate the support from from everyone out there and you know just being at the bean pot and uh just 
talking to people around the ranks. Um, you know, we appreciate everyone who tunes in and uh, subscribes and, and follows the ring shrinks uh, stuff. Yeah, we we enjoy doing it, so we appreciate the support. Yeah, no, we love it. Thanks to the sponsors and all you listeners, because we wouldn't be here without you. Uh, time to cue the ring shrink shuffle, Jersey. Mm-hmm.